friends, welcome to Whiskey, Web, and Whatnot with your hosts, Robbie and Chuck. You may not have heard of them, but uh, they're the same people that usually host. We're better known by our full names. Yes. Not our common names. Yes. But we'll get more conversational for this one. There's a lot of stuff that I want to rant about and discuss, and we're just chilling. Oh, come on, Robbie. You're new to the show. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I've been doing React for 14 years, mm. and uh, <laughs> since before it came out. Yeah, yeah. I invented React. Yeah. <laughs> may have heard of me before. Yeah. I actually wrote Facebook. Zuckerberg stole it from me, mm-hmm. but you'll have that. You wrote it in JavaScript first, and he rewrote it in PHP, so he was a faster typer. Yeah, I wrote it in React before React existed, and he just wrote it all in PHP, and I also made it open to everyone, and he was like, oh, no, it's only people like 18 and up, and whatever, and yeah in colleges or whatever those original requirements were he was the original marketing genius you know you came up with the platform and wasn't going anywhere so he stole it and got some great marketing there yeah you called yours the book book too which was a little weird (laughs) i don't know yeah all right Uh, we haven't been drinking yet believe it or not we will be though yes so today we are having the barrel dovetail Whiskey, Mm -hmm. finished in rum, port, and Dunn Vineyards Cabernet barrels, which sounds very interesting. Super high proof, 122.54 is what mine says. You wrote down 124.7. Wait, they're different proofs? Yeah, different proofs, because mine is bottle number 28,247. Oh, mine's 14,286. So who knows what happened there, but different barrels. Yeah. So I don't think they water them down at all. So it's just whatever it came out of the barrel at. Yeah. They're cast strength. So that's why I'm like 10,000 plus barrels or bottles ahead of you. So definitely a few barrels different. But it sounds like all they do from what I can tell is like buy this whiskey from someone or a couple people because it's distilled in Indiana and Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And then they get all these cool barrels. Like maybe that's why their name is barrel. Yep. And they just put this existing whiskey that they had nothing to do with in some fancy barrels to make it like different and sell it to you. Yeah. Sourced, finished and blended. So they do a little blending, I guess, at some point. So maybe wherever they're like, like, so Indiana tells you MGP, most likely. Yeah. I don't know who they're sourcing from in Tennessee, but they're buying up some barrels there too, doing a blend and then finishing that in whatever. We don't get any time of finishing yeah these louisville places they're clever yeah i mean this uh this is how i would do a whiskey like i don't want to do any of the work i just want to put it in a barrel (laughs) store and then at some point later take it out and make a fancy bottle and put it in there you're a glorified warehouse basically Mm -hmm. yeah all righty let's see take a little smell Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. a lot of Cherry, Ooh. maybe some Dr. Pepper on the nose. No, that's it. Dr. Pepper. I was like, what is this like? What is it? Uh, Dr. Pepper is a blend of like 24 flavors or something. 23. Yeah. 23. That's it. The MJ of sodas. <laughs> mm. Yeah, definitely a cola like smell to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm going to taste it. I'm going to first prime my palate. Ooh. Yeah. Like a cherry Coke with some burn though. Yeah, there's a lot of cherry. I'm guessing that's the port. Yeah. Or no, the Cabernet, maybe. Yeah, could be either. Not the rum. No. Rum. The hell with rum. What am I, a pirate? <laughs> it's more on brand, though. Let's see. That's true. We should change this to rum and two other R things. <sighs> rum, rust, and 
Rambling? There we go. Yeah. R R R. Yeah, catch us next week on <laughs> Rum Rust and Rambling. Hmm. <laughs> Got a little bit of an earthiness in the finish, though. Man, is it hot. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. If I had some ice, I would consider utilizing a little ice with this. Mm. It is tasty, though. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was expecting, but it, yeah, it has a very tasty feel. I Hopefully, I don't have two of these. If I do, as I often do during our podcasts, I'll be done for the day. Yeah. Which, hey, maybe that's not the worst thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the flavors are really good. It's a little hard to taste them with all the burn, but um, yeah. But I think that's as intended. So like you can water it down as much as you may want. Yeah, I've got a dropper at home. I don't know why I don't bring it in or like maybe just buy a second dropper with some distilled water and then you just do a few drops and that'll kind of change it up a little. I should do that, yeah. especially these hot ones. Yeah, for sure. Not my favorite show. I mean, I mean the hot whiskeys <laughs> and the Bernie whiskey. But I'm a big fan, though, mm -hmm. especially for I'm guessing the whiskey they buy is unless they maybe it doesn't say maybe they have influenced the mash bill in some way. Maybe this is more scientific than we we know, but I'm assuming they're just buying some of the cheapest stuff that like MGP and like whoever makes and then putting it in barrels and like making it better. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I would gather that they go and they're tasting oh you think the barrels they buy yeah i think they're doing some taste or they just know from like okay mgp here's a mash bill that we like we've bought before so we want a similar profile flavor profile aged this amount get that in tennessee i'm kind of wondering what they're buying they're probably not buying jack daniels but maybe something like dickel or maybe a smaller place that has some barrels i don't know i think i've seen several dickel um collaborations on fine cask so i'm guessing yeah. maybe them like i don't think jack daniels collaborates they're just like we're us you buy it yeah we're gonna handle it we don't have spares to sell yeah but i could see a place like dickel yeah yeah doing uh maybe greenbrier we were there in nashville you know they're up and yeah. coming and they do a decent volume so this thing's got legs on it too if you like mm -hmm. move it around <laughs> and you can see like yeah 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 it's got some serious legs on there yeah, I don't know. I'm a fan. I would love to try it with a few drops of water and then possibly with some ice. But I'm I'm uh, I feel emboldened enough to give it a seven as is. I was going to give it a seven. I would say with some potential ice or water or something, this could be an eight. Like right now, it's a little too burny for me to make that call. I can't really yeah. feel all the flavor. But yeah, at least a seven for sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to take this bottle home and try it in a couple other iterations this this evening or this weekend mm -hmm. possibly we'll talk about it later but as as you know i uh will be taking a trip out to san diego <laughs> we don't know what that means <laughs> i think it literally means saint diego no <laughs> <laughs> but should we talk anything serious before this bernie stuff starts to um None of this is, well, so it's serious, but I'm approaching these topics as like, you know, I'm just upset at the way mm -hmm. people do things and mm -hmm. I just want to talk about it and how like things could be better in several areas of things. Of companies do, who do technology? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people that code, not really as much on the personal developer level but but also some on the developer level we'll just jump in mm -hmm. so like the first thing that really bugs me about companies is like they'll 
have an app and they've been working on it for, let's say, at least a few years. Like newer apps don't have a problem with this as much. Over those few years, they're like, all right, we got all these features we want. Like we've maybe planned them out with a bunch of tickets. We've got designs. We've got like, you know, all this stuff that needs to get done. And we have nowhere in this planned for things like testing, refactoring, upgrading your dependencies or staying up to date on your framework or just experiments like time that isn't like, oh, my God, ship the new feature right now. Yeah. None of that is baked in. And this is a big, big problem because, well, a lot of companies try to fix it. Honestly, they hire us to come in and they're like, we still don't want to change our ways. We want to we're shipping that button. That button is going out. It's got to be red. I want to click it and hover it and whatever. Yeah. Business value. Yeah. And I I want you to come in and fix all the stuff, like upgrade all our dependencies and get us better test coverage and do all these things. Yeah. It's a detriment to technical teams, I think, because their definition of done doesn't include a lot of those things. Their maintenance ideologies are almost non-existent, right? There's never like, hold on, let's stop shipping features, still ship an improved application and include improvements these all these things right confidence in shipping because testing coverage security improvements maintaining your dependencies to be to the latest levels because a lot of times version bumps happen with uh if you're not updating your versions you have security vulnerabilities over time yeah right like exposed vulnerabilities that's another thing and yeah just like having longevity and confidence in your application because you're quote unquote, maintaining it. Yeah. There's no correlation to business value on that. Yeah. And I think a lot of the problems, like everything I have in these notes, honestly, comes down to higher ups at companies or not even higher ups, whoever's planning and in charge of like, what are we going to do? Maybe doesn't have enough buy-in or input from developers or people who may know about some of these things. So they're kind of taking a stab in the dark and just being like, these are the things we think we want to implement. I haven't really run a software team before. I don't know about tech debt. I don't know about like all these things, whatever. So we're just going to like blindly, you know, take the thing that we think is going to make us a few thousand dollars and we're going to do that. And then we're going to move on to the next thing that we think makes us a few thousand dollars or whatever. And it's just bad because like, I don't know. I, I feel like we've we've done all of this stuff to be like, let's get everyone scrum certified and let's like do this whole process. And people were really bought into that mm-hmm. and it does not help them. It's all arbitrary values that are just supposed to help your team like yeah. plan a little bit about like what you may or may not get done. Right. But right. It's not supposed to be a like roadmap of these things will be done in a year. See you then. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. There's a, I mean, you've touched on all kinds of different points there. So on a high level, you have your executives who have business objectives that they want to get to. And part of that is making money, right? And so like they want to tie work to making money, right? And some of that is in making new money. Some is that retaining and reducing churn and things like that. Right. So you have one aspect where you're shipping new features. You have another aspect where you're iterating features because you have user feedback or you can correlate churn to a pattern in the application or, you know, a thing in the application. So you're like, I want to maintain my income stream. I want to grow my income stream. And then you have technical teams where they struggle to 
tie those things directly to. So you have executives, you have product organizations who are supposed to tie those two, two things together, but I don't think they really do a great job of that. Like they hear from technical teams, we need time to refactor this, or we need time to update dependencies because of X, Y, Z thing. But unless you have like an IT department that does scans on your dependencies and then can say, there's a critical vulnerability here, you do have to do it. It's oftentimes like difficult to convince the other two heads of that beast, really. And I've seen this in companies of all sizes, right? I've seen it in companies that have been around for hundreds of years. I've seen it in startups. You've seen it like all over the place. It's interesting that the, we always, and maybe this is just, you know, a side effect of just my career path, but like I've been in all these different kinds of organizations of various sizes and age, but nobody really gets it right. You read the books, you see the blogs, you get experts to come in and train your teams and you're still kind of like struggling to get it right. But then we keep getting told there's a right way. Who is doing it right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the problem is too many like like the planning is disconnected from the people doing the work yeah and let's do a a real world example here so like imagine your car is broken right you take it to the shop and you're like i don't know what's wrong it's making this noise like the mechanic or the guy who's going to fix it is going to be the one who knows what the noise sounds like knows like what's involved to fix it or whatever imagine the guy that's estimating the price and like figuring out the steps to fix it is not the guy not the mechanic there's just another guy who's never touched a car who's like oh yeah this seems like it's gonna be ten thousand dollars and it's gonna take four weeks like okay well how do you know i have no idea like i i'm just planning like these are the steps i would take to like diagnose it and you know whatever you should ask always ask the person doing the thing like if they come to you and say no i i need like this wrench that costs $10 and I need like this part and it's 50 bucks and it'll take me two hours. Like, cool. Like that's where it should start. And like, if a developer comes to you and they're like, Hey, our dependencies are really out of date. Like, or like there's this code that's really gnarly. I would like to refactor it. Like you should never tell them no, because like they're wanting to help and make this better and make their lives better and make everything better. And you're like, no, I want this button. Right. Yeah, it can be a disconnect. And I've definitely experienced product organizations that are like, oh, gosh, they're making a big stink because they don't like how someone else did it. And they think their way is better. And what's the real value there? Of course, they want to refactor. But guess what? I'm testing it. It works for me. I have no user feedback that says it's bad. So where is you know, what's the point in wasting some resources on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because you'll get that attitude of like, oh yeah, no, no developer likes whatever the predecessor did. And so there's always the, we should have done it different. There's all this tech debt. They're just not really seeing. I just think that like, you always have to prove your case, Mm -hmm. find ways to create metrics to prove your case or find some resource to help prove your case. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point that like there are code style things that, you know, people want to change. But usually if it's just I don't like the way they did this, I would like it to appear a little different. Like they used a for loop. I want to use a while loop or whatever. That stuff shouldn't take long. So if that's truly their only problem with it is like, oh, I want it to look a little different. I would change the flow. There's no harm in doing that because the things that are going to take you months to refactor 
probably need to be refactored, mm. you know? Well, yeah, right. So I'm not saying like, okay, Robbie comes into a team and it's full of functional components and hooks. And he's like, this is all bad. Mono repos. Yeah. And he's like, this is all bad. We have to change this because this is, uh, doesn't make sense. And people like me can't read it well. And I think you can do state a better way. That's faster. And I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's subjective. Yeah. Saying that like you have out of date dependencies, you're many versions behind and, and likely, uh, subject to security vulnerabilities or something yeah that's actionable that's real you can show True. those things everyone can agree on that yeah so yeah there is some give and take and like i i understand how these things happen i just wanted to rant about it in general yeah you don't want it fixed though because it's definitely a um it's one of our business models is that teams are going to get well, overwhelmed is, yeah. in feature work and they're going to get now multiple major versions behind and they need you know, an expert to basically work out of their, you know, out of their work stream, someone to come in that isn't part of the work stream that can just boom, heads down on that and not affect delivery. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Don't fix it. Hire us. <laughs> That's the suggestion on this rant. Yeah. Visit shipshape.io and fill in the contact form and give us money. Mm -hmm. Select the biggest number in the dropdown. Yeah. And <laughs> And we will send you an invoice. Also, please fill in the uh, about like what you want for your project and just like 18 paragraphs of Russian. That's my favorite when we get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your fault for not being fluent in Russian. I mean, I yeah. it seems fine for me, but yeah, at least we only get that once because if someone tries to spam it, we now have like the recapture stuff behind the scenes. But mm. we used to get that like hundreds of those. And I was like, cool, that's awesome. <laughs> But anyway, I don't think that's what you did at all. No, I digress. Tell me about supporting open source projects. Yeah, I feel like we've had multiple guests that uh, talk about this subject, too. So, yeah, I mean, this is similar, I think, to what I just ranted about a lot, you know, from the standpoint of the higher ups are like, how can we make money? X, Y, Z makes us X dollars and supporting open source projects or like doing any of that doesn't make us any money, mm -hmm. which I would like to say that is a hundred percent false because anyone using react or Ember or frameworks or libraries, even anything open source is likely making like, let's start at the developer level. Developers, even a junior developer is making pretty good money depending on where you are anywhere from like probably wouldn't be lower than like 60 or 70 K to like, up to 100,000, up to like... In Europe, actually, they, they start their salaries much lower, but then again, well, right. their benefits are different and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, we're talking about the U.S. right now. Okay. <laughs> and uh, No one in Europe supports open source. That's what you said. Well, no, they do. A lot of them do. So, okay, that's a fair point. So those people aren't making as much money, and I get it. But, you know, in America, if you're a senior developer, then you're definitely making at least 100,000. You're probably making up to... 150 or depending on like if you're in California or somewhere where like huge companies pay tons of money, you could be making multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So you're making all this money because someone took the time to write Next.js or Ember or whatever the tool is you're building on top of. And you give no time or money back to that project. You just take your money and go home. And 
I get it. I think especially a lot of people are not, you know, exposed even to like the open source ecosystem. So they're like, you know, I, I download this thing, I use it, but like, I don't really understand how GitHub works or PRs or how you would even start contributing to this project. Mm. But I think for those people, like if you're just grateful for a tool, like, wow, I make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe I should give like five bucks a month to like this framework I like. Like GitHub sponsors is a thing, right? It's a small gesture to show like, I appreciate the hundreds and hundreds of hours these people have put in to this thing for free. That has been a software problem for a quite some time though, right? Even languages, all languages created and open sourced. There's no economic incentive behind it. Yeah. Right? Just solving a problem. So the flip side is like companies like to think that they are supporting the project by like hiring the core team members, right? And that mm -hmm. to some extent is true. If you're hiring the core team members and giving them huge salaries, you've basically paid for all the work they did before you hired them at that point. But I think there's a lot of people that get left behind with that model. The casual contributors, the like you know, in the case of Ember, which we always talk about Ember, but like, it's what I'm familiar with, like Ember add-ons. Last time I looked, I have like 103 NPM packages that I maintain and probably 90 of those at least are Ember add-ons. And like, that's like, I don't get any money from anyone except Mel. If Mel's listening, appreciate you <laughs> because that, that was her philosophy is like, you know, all these people doing all this work, I can at least buy them a coffee every month. Right. Like, right. Right. So I think for the people who aren't employed by huge organizations for their open source contributions, if you know of those people, especially if they like have like one sponsor or, you know, you feel like they're underappreciated, like I'm going to get this pronounce this wrong, but like Sindrasaurus or whatever, you know, what I'm talking about who has like thousands of NPM packages and maintains all of like everything. He has like hundreds and hundreds of like sponsors. So like you can sponsor him if you want, he would appreciate it. But like, I'm talking about the people that are like, feel really unappreciated. And we've talked to several people about how they feel about this. Like Chris Manson mentioned it, you know, he's like, I have these couple sponsors and they're, you know, the reason that instead of playing a video game, I like go open a PR or whatever. It really makes a difference and makes people not, get burned out as much. Yeah, they're not trying to get rich on it, but they want people yeah. to show appreciation, right? And yeah. obviously it would be even better if companies showed appreciation, right? Yeah, companies can afford it. They can afford it. And they're willing to spend, a company could be building a SaaS product and for their workers, they're willing to pay money for like a CRM for their sales. And they're willing to pay money to Microsoft for Microsoft products or Google for G Suite stuff and whatever else. And this is all software, right? Mm -hmm. And then they build their product on, let's say they build their product on Next or whatever, whatever it is, right? Technically, they don't have to, but they could make a small sponsorship donation. Now, obviously, like Next has a, a company behind it now. And I think this is probably why a lot of like popular frameworks are moving to like, putting an actual company behind it mm -hmm. to like find more stable financial incentives because to a certain degree, yeah, people in their career can't continue to maintain open source stuff in perpetuity, especially like yep. big things that are used by lots of people. Like what was it? Even Jest, which is like one of the number one testing frameworks. Like it was, it recently had come to light that like there was one guy at Facebook 
trying to do some PRs like here and there, and it's used by like a million people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's crazy. Like nothing's happening with it and he can't even keep up. Yeah. But yet that's the model that people expect. And they're like, I don't know. That's the one I heard of. Not like, oh, I'm putting even more pressure on this one dude. Yeah. I mean, that specific example, I think V-Test is probably just killing Jess. So like they'll probably just sunset it at some point. But yeah, there's probably more projects like that than you know. Like even, I mean, I know Ember has been not the hottest framework recently, but even when it was pretty hot, like there was this website, I forget what it was. It was like number of people that understand embermeta.com or something like that. And I don't know how I calculated it. It must have been based on like contributions on GitHub to like some obscure parts of Ember or something. Right. And it was like, you would load it up and it'd be like five. <laughs> like there's like five people that like know how this thing works. And you know, thousands and thousands of us use it every day and like benefit from it so i don't know how you fix that well you don't put all those people on a plane first of all just in case never get on a plane (laughs) together or a bus yeah don't come to the same city you have to be distributed you know yeah if you're all at the same conference you have to be in like different areas of the building like yeah (laughs) in case it's attacked or something right but yeah i mean it's i think like in a perfect world what i would love to see happen is like companies kind of take frameworks under their wing and be like, look, we realize how much work you're doing. We realize there's not that many people doing it. Here's these two people we just hired. Teach them the thing that no one knows so we can like increase the bus factor here. And like Mm. at the same time, instead of just telling you to teach them, here's like $500,000. Also, you know, do whatever you think makes the framework better. And like, there's just, I think there's too many people that just kind of look the other way and like take it for granted. And if we all did like Faker JS and we're just like, all right, cool, you're using all this stuff. Um, here's all this malware, and like, yeah. if you want it, you better start paying me. If everyone did that, like, everything, all like web apps would be dead within like, yeah, a couple of days, except for the like ones that check in their node modules, right? Which is like no one. I mean, who who actually does scans? What is it like? Awesome. I forget what it was. There was like some. There is like a thing that will like scan your dependencies and we have that on Shepard. Yeah. It's like how good of an open source steward you are or something based on your security vulnerabilities and something, I don't know, a bunch of things. Right, right. So yeah, the his rage quit did kind of backfire. He was sort of like, All right, forget this. All these companies are using my thing. All these companies are very profitable. And all these companies essentially put pressure on me to keep this thing going and give them their features and whatever else. Mm -hmm. Like, well, enjoy the next version. Everything's broken. (laughs) The problem why it backfired for him is that the open source community stepped in and agreed upon an official fork and moved forward with the features. So they basically satisfied the needs without too much pain really being felt. I mean, to a degree, yeah. Uh, a few days of outage revert to a previous version and pin your stuff and NPM has saved you until this other person gives you what you want. The fallacy there was not remembering that Microsoft owns all of JavaScript. So they're like, hey, NPM and GitHub, get rid of that shit. Mm-hmm. Like back to the old version, get rid of this guy's account, ban him everywhere. Yeah. Like 
it was a swift and decisive, like, you're not doing this. Yeah. And that's nice. Like, they're looking out for us, at least on some level. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he rage quit because he was feeling used and abused. Mm -hmm. So, not to invalidate his feelings in there, perhaps he could have taken another outlet. I don't know. Yeah. Trying to break everything and destroy things. Now he's like, now he's got to go all black ops underground. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. We should have him on the podcast. That would be very interesting. Yeah. I mean, somewhere in Europe, I think. I'm not sure. He had some like issues with like an apartment burning down and no and money and whatever else. So I think that's like what drove oh, him. Oh, so he like had some hard times and was like, I need. He had some hardships prior to. Okay. Yeah. There was a whole hacker news thread about it. And I might be unclear about a couple of things, but I know that he had some hardships and essentially was just like fucked the world a little bit mm -hmm. and that's kind of what drove him there so hopefully doing better actually and uh yeah i don't know yeah yeah just stabilized and better come on the podcast yeah i'll have to find you as a side note about hacker news can someone just make a thing that lets me see all of hacker news but it doesn't look terrible like give me some css yeah. and <laughs> a ton of people have done that there's a ton of people that have latched onto the api and then are like giving you more features and stuff like the mm. maintainers don't give a shit. And I think you can get access to the API and I've seen tons of projects where people have done other things with it. So hmm. yes, you can. Okay. Well, I mean, I haven't looked to see if that existed. I just have been to hacker news links and been like, Oh, I have to yeah. read this. Like the formatting is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the Reddit problem too, right? Like yeah. it's got engaging content, but it's not, I don't know, it just lacks some features and some like readability that mm -hmm. sucks. But that's what uh, our good friend Eric was trying to do with Squawk or is trying to do. It's not dead. It's still mm -hmm. happening. Still is. Yeah, yeah. Squawk, which is S-Q-W-O-K.io. Go check it out. He has like kind of a, a uh, burgeoning community there. Yeah, I haven't really checked it out a ton. I've been to it a couple of times, but like same. I don't internet really yeah i don't have time to engage in things i don't yeah social media and things like that so yeah i'm too busy building the internet yeah to care about the internet to enjoy the internet exactly yeah and then if i'm I find myself with free time i don't find myself going hey let's internet some more on this computer screen that i've been looking at for eight hours <laughs> i'm like let's look at different screens yeah let me get a much bigger screen with some tv shows or something on it mm -hmm. and that's much better. Yes. But before we actually talk about TV shows, my last complaint about companies. Yeah. Here we go. Is this thing that everyone does where they're like, all right, the top of mind example, obviously, is we've got this Ember app and like React is what I've heard is cool. And everyone on my team is saying React is cool. And I've been trying to hire Ember developers and I just can't. And like, so we're just going to refactor the whole thing to React. So we're going to take the next like couple years support it all over to that i'm like well i get that i sympathize but with any framework shouldn't you be hiring people that know the basics like javascript html css mm -hmm. and then you can teach them the framework or give them time to learn or whatever because right now this is the world we live in where for the past several years people have only been able to hire for react because so many places only teach react so they're like, okay, if we want to hire, we've got to make our app react. And now that Vue and Svelte and things have become more popular and you know, things like Astro where you don't even need 
any framework you can if you want there will come a day where like react is not the number one framework what do you do then are you going to rewrite the whole thing again because you want to hire or like I don't it's know. an interesting question you looked like you had something you wanted to say i do i have some <laughs> things i have many things there because i've thought about this and experienced it a number of times in my career so first of all yeah like one of the problems that is like continuing to push this issue is that everyone is getting trained in React. They're not getting trained in JavaScript, right? So they don't have a full understanding of like what is native and what's there for me right in the browser without me having all these different functions, signatures and sugar and all this whatever stuff. It's like, it's almost the jQuery problem. Cause I mean, I had this, I learned jQuery before I learned JavaScript, mm -hmm. just like was the path of learning at that time. But, and so, not just accelerators and trade schools and even like now colleges are teaching react mm -hmm. and you have the whole you have the html course and you have the react course and everybody's like well i don't know all the jobs that pay a bunch of money are react so i'm going to take the react course i don't care about this other thing and then that's what they come out of school knowing and then they per you know they're pursuing jobs around that because they don't confidence otherwise because to me i think you're right Anybody who knows JavaScript can basically pick up whatever framework is in play for the application. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not an expert, but you know how JavaScript works and you work your way through it. And then, oh, a few weeks later, you start to become a bit more proficient. Oh, a few months later, now you start to be like more natural with it. And then you just go. And that is where there's a massive disconnect, I think, in the industry in general. Because we're not teaching JavaScript, we're teaching frameworks and then we're finding people based on frameworks mm -hmm. so if we were teaching and testing and whatever else on javascript in general we probably would just have a better talent pool so that's the narrative and then executives are trying to hire and leaders tech leads and managers and whatever else leaders in on the tech side they're given a budget and they got to hire and they, if they don't use the budget then they lose it kind of thing and the next year and blah 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 so there's all these like artificial pressures there too. So great. All I'm getting is react people and they don't know what to do in this other pool. And I'm not willing to train or take a risk or whatever else. And then it just is this massive loop. So it's, it makes me wonder to a degree, you're like, you know, other things went away. Maybe react goes away too. But I wonder if like, is the tail wagging the dog or the other way around? Will the spec get influenced by React at some point and start to make some of those things more official? So then it's like, it is the way of doing things. That could be some crazy long-term thing. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, yes. Like the specs for everything have been greatly influenced by, you know, packages come out to do a thing you can't do with the spec and people go, wow, that's cool. And then like everybody uses it, it gets built into the spec. But it's usually much different. Like, for example, everyone used like less and then SAS and, you know, whatever. And then CSS was like, okay, you want like variables? Everything uses like dollar sign thing colon value. Let's do dash dash whatever variable <laughs> syntax. Yeah. And I'm sure there's reasons, but like that kind of thing happens on all things. Right. It's unlikely that, well, I guess some things got ported directly from like CoffeeScript to ES6. Yeah. TypeScript is influencing it now and the, the ability to yeah. optionally declare types is 
being talked about. So there's that. Yeah, totally. Or like Lodash, right? Had a bunch of of helper functions around like map and filter and things like that. And those ended up in, in the spec. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that could be built in. One thing they mentioned on Syntax yeah. recently, they had a, an episode where they just kind of complained about things. It was different than this, but <laughs> they were like, you know, why doesn't... Yeah, Chris's voice is, is nicer than ours, so there's that. Well, Chris's shop talk, not Syntax. Get your shows right. Yep, Wes. <laughs> yeah. Wes's voice is worse than mine, for sure. <laughs> you might be more popular than me, Wes, but my voice is made for podcasts. <laughs> well, we just have sexy microphones. <laughs> yeah. Because Scott on Syntax has this same microphone, and he's got that same, like, what up, I'm podcasting, like, kind of yeah. voice. It's just, these are nice mics. Like, anyone yeah. could talk into this and sound really good. And Wes has a different one. Like, he has a good one, but it's not this one. Yeah, we just drop the mic on him. Like, get <laughs> get the good one. Yeah. I mean, we we have people who listen to this, but you have a lot of people that listen to that. Probably worth it, Wes. Yeah. Get an Electro Voice sponsorship. There you go. Ooh, nice. Solid. So, yeah, regressing back into they were complaining about some things. Yeah. One of the things was like, we have inputs, right? And every framework ever we set up, like, depending on, you know, which framework you're using, what year it is, you either have a two-way binding, like value equals this thing, and it just updates, or you have like a on change, mutate the value, like data down, actions up kind of style. Mm -hmm. Either way, you're doing a thing that's like, I want to change this value. That's what the inputs are for, right? Why doesn't the spec just do that? Like, you could just be like, value equals foo and wherever you define foo is just always going to update it just does it for you because what else are you using it for unless you're doing an old school form that's like literally posting to like another php page or something which exists and they do want backwards compatibility so i'm guessing well that's probably part yes. of it right they don't want to break the internet made before 2004 or something i don't know whatever arbitrary date well then make it a different field make it like bound value or like yeah right you know yeah there you go it's such a common use case that's something they should build put in. your money where your mouth is i i think you should uh make an rfp <laughs> to the spec and see what happens so that would be an interesting pivot i could try it yeah i don't know i mean yeah i've uh it's funny a previous company that i worked at and we were i was the engineering manager uh for some teams and we were doing a rewrite of an application and just like kind of changing the architecture for performance version reasons, but it was an Ember application. We're going to keep it as an Ember application. Side note, fun fact, it was kind of like the POC for what eventually became the card stack architecture, hmm. or at least an early version of it. And everyone knows what card stack is. So what? Some people do. Some people listen to this that are Ember people. No, no. I mean, the people that work there, you're like, what's card stack? You're like, um, well, it's like these things. And like, no yeah. one knows how to explain it, except for Ed. I don't know how to explain it. We should have him on just to explain what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still pretty confused, but I, I still subscribe to his, his newsletter. Mm -hmm. So there's two aspects of this application. We basically were abstracting the admin bit of it. So it was just like, instead of being like some tiny sidebar that you had to deal with, you could have a more robust admin. And we're like, great, we're splitting out this app. We're still going to go with Ember. We need some more resources for two apps though. And then we had this whole super long discussion around, spoiler alert, 
that admin app ended up being an Angular. It was like Angular 7 or 8 or whatever, which is way more modern, had TypeScript and actually Angular CLI is based on Ember CLI. So they had like taken some good things. But like, Mm -hmm. basically, I want to do this thing and I only have so many resources to complete said thing. And if you bring in additional people and they say, well, I've been writing Angular for eight years now, I would like to do an Angular. Right at that point, you're sort of like, well, you're the here and now and your opinion matters, I guess we're going to go down this path. Yeah. Can we support it forever moving forward too? But yeah, it's so interesting how the people in the space can affect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, circles back to the whole, how do you choose the framework or are you trying to hire for it? All that, like there becomes a point where it is just based on whether you hired them directly for their framework expertise or not. If you've got 20 developers and 18 of them really love React, but your app is an Ember, yeah, probably not going to be an Ember for very long. Yeah, You don't want them to just be like, eh, it's fine. I you know, don't really love my job, but like, I can get work done. I know Ember okay. Yeah, You want them to be excited, like use the thing that they really want. But I think there's just marketing problems with uh, frameworks in general to get people excited for things that aren't the thing that is supposedly the hotness. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we talk about like all these new things bubbling up in the world. And, you know, we've been using Next a lot over the last few years and have uh, been pleased with uh, the problems that it solves. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, aside from like there are functional components and, and hooks in there, I think even Robbie is like, well, I can understand what it's solving. Well, you could use class components, right? If you wanted. Yeah, they're backwards compatible. So, and I'm sure you could have a different state model too, if you wanted. So yeah, yeah, you know, whoever writes the most articles basically wins, I think, in terms of championed patterns, but, uh, or whoever is named Kent C. Dodds or, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you can evangelize that one. I mean, you know, Remix is hot Mm -hmm. and we have solid, we have Astro, we have, Redwood. We have lit. We have so many different options. Yeah, it's lit and all things. But I, I feel like all these are coming out and the people that are interested are experienced professionals. Mm-hmm. So new people just want to make a thing. And they don't really know about the new thing. And then we're like probably a little scared to try to adopt the new thing. So hmm. I don't know. I kind of wonder if that's also going to like stagnate because okay, over the last five years, demand in our industry has grown exponentially like hundreds of percents. Yep. And so a lot of people are in the more junior to mid level. Let's say a lot of people have one to mm-hmm. three years experience. So, you know, solid is maybe not really landing with them. You know, remix maybe isn't landing with them. They're like, I don't know. I know react and maybe I know some next. Yeah. And this is how I'm productive. So why am I going to move on? And the things that like solid and remix and stuff solve are things that you might not even understand. So you're like, why do I care? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, like Remix runs on the edge and uses all this server-side stuff. Like, what does it matter? Yeah. Like, I don't understand what that is. Yeah, right. You're like, I made a thing and I hand it off and other people get it into production. Yeah. I don't understand the whole pipeline of things. I don't care who renders it or what, all that stuff. Yeah, I ran it locally. Looks like it was good. I pushed it. Maybe I'm lucky and I get like a PR preview. Cool. Looks great. I move on. Yeah. But that's plenty tech ranting for now, I Mm. think. Tell me about Old Man. Without too many spoilers, I haven't started it yet. 
Aside from myself? Okay. Yeah. It's a story about Chuck, right? Yeah. This old man, he played... No, no, that's not what you wanted? No. So there's a show on Hulu. <laughs> uh, he played tic-tac on my thumb with a knick-knack paddywag. Give a dog a bone. This old man, this old came, man came rolling home. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> me after a podcast. I'm going to go rolling home. <laughs> so, yes, as a show on Hulu has Jeff Bridges. I've only watched the first episode, so I don't really have too much spoiler for you mm. other than like he's a retired fellow. He all of a sudden is like being tracked down by the FBI and we know he has like some crazy history, say the FBI wanted to bury over like who he was and the things he's done. But it, apparently he's some like incredible badass. And he's like, as Jeff Bridges is. Yeah. Don't open this can. And they're like, well, we might have to open the can. And he's like, you don't know what you've done. And that's basically how it ended. And I'm like, mm. OK, this is crazy. What is going on? How many people does he kill in the first episode? A few. He kills a few. Yeah. And he does it in some very interesting ways. So he's like kind of slick, kind of agile, kind of strong for some 65-year-old man. And uh, you're just like, okay. Is he only 65? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just making a guess. He could be older because I can remember this, like one of the oldest movies I've seen that he was in. It was definitely during the 70s. And it was like movie with him and Sally Field and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's kind of about the bodybuilding world. And like Jeff Bridges is in it, though. And this is in the 70s. This is when Arnie was still a bodybuilder. Was he a bodybuilder? No, he wasn't. But he was like bodybuilder manager or something like that. And so he's like, I'm going to make you guys rich and famous. And let's do this thing. Yeah. Hmm. And that was in the 70s for sure. So do some math. That's 50 years ago. So he's probably in the 70s. Yeah. Like the big Lebowski is fairly old now and he had like the 90s right plenty of gray hair then so i'm just thinking he's pretty old but maybe he's not i don't know google knows let's find out okay let's do a live google it's like live yeah who can get it first <laughs> uh 72 not me because 72 born in 1949 wow so there you go so yeah he's very agile for a 72 year old man yeah it was interesting i We'll definitely continue to watch and see what we find out about who this old man was or is. Hmm. I might have to start watching it tonight. Yeah. Suggested. I'd been watching Severance before that. Also very weird show, but interesting. Yeah. The mind of Adam Scott. How many shows is Adam Scott in, by the way? Like every Apple TV show for sure. Well, I mean, that kind of spirals like i guess apple has a deal with certain actors and they're just in lots of stuff yeah it's back to like the old um studio system like where you signed with a studio you didn't actually get yeah like, yeah because he was in like big little lies right and something else the reese witherspoon one i don't know and then he's in loot also with maya rudolph oh yeah yeah which is a comedy it's kind of like loose spin on the Jeff Bezos divorce thing. So like billionaire wife. Is that a show or a movie? It's a show. Oh, for some reason I thought it was a movie. No, it's a show. So he's the billionaire and then he's cheating on her. So they get divorced. And what is she going to do now with her Hmm. fortune, her half? Yeah. You could just put all of that in like stock with good dividend and make what? Like $50 million a month or like something absurd. Sure. But that's, (laughs) That's not good TV. No, 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 I know. But I mean, like in real life, like 
it's just crazy that, well, I guess they probably do do some of that, but. She donated a ton of it, though. Yeah. Like, she dove right into philanthropy and gave, like, half of it away. Oh, I know. Like, right away. But I would, like, yeah. put it all in a few, like, safe investments. Mm-hmm. And then as I get that $50 million every month, like, you get $50 million. You get $50 million. And I keep my capital mm-hmm. and, like, just give away what I'm, you know what I mean? Right. I see. I don't know. As the proponent of open source and giving back on your millions. Plus, I'm sure that we're not CPAs. I bet CPAs were probably advising on how you do that best. And uh, that's true. Avoid capital gains and whatever else. Who knows? Yeah. Does that count as a gain if you get like divorced and get all like half the money? Because you were still kind of owning that before, right? Yeah. You know, hard to say. It probably does because you get taxed like 40 times on everything somehow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like every time you, you, you now become a self yeah. versus a joint and now you get taxed on whatever you got out of that. Yeah. Like you buy a car, you pay tax. Yep. You sell the car, they pay tax. Like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't make any sense. Every time you renew your plates, you pay tax. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's different there but here we pay based on like a valuation of the car so it's like Mm -hmm. changes yeah personal property tax yeah yeah i remember when i lived in ohio it was a flat rate didn't matter brand new car 30 year old car 80 bucks didn't matter yeah i think ohio doesn't have personal property tax maybe or like Mm. because my dad lived there a while and he like i think he either bought a car there or didn't buy a car there because like cars are more expensive because they didn't have the tax or something mm. and then registered it there mm. because it was cheaper to register or like, or vice versa. I forget which way it worked, but gotcha. something to game the system. I see. Your dad's a shyster. I mean, yeah, he clips coupons and like, Oh yeah. Nice. He's into saving money. I don't know what it was because I didn't really have much personal property when I lived in Ohio. It was like, yeah, poor college student time. <laughs> so fair. The fact that I had a, car at any point there was probably as good as it was going to get for a while yeah so uh tell us about your weekend plans or i guess starting tomorrow or no one knows what day the show is you know whatever what are you doing the next few days yeah there you go <laughs> tomorrow ish i have some work some driving we are driving out to san diego going to a friend's graduation celebration. She's graduating with her master's or PhD. I don't know. You get older, I kind of assume must be more degrees in that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Probably PhD. I mean, probably PhD. I don't know. Yeah. I know some people with those. Definitely not me. Little beach time, little, it's probably an unpopular thing, but it is my son's birthday weekend. So we feel obligated to take him to SeaWorld. It was Legoland or SeaWorld. And in Legoland, he's just going to complain about me not buying him whatever Legos he finds there constantly. It feels like a giant amusement park all around buying Legos. Well, now you got to buy a dolphin. I know. Nah, maybe I'll buy a dolphin. Maybe I'll sponsor a dolphin or whatever you can do there. A little, little charitable give back. Mm. I saw Blackfin. You guys don't have to say anything. I know it's not great, but he's going to be six. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, everyone is offended by something and hates something. And like, I do not disagree that animal rights are a a big problem, but like, they also do a lot of good, right? Like, I don't know all the details, but like various zoos and maybe not as much in SeaWorld, but like there are some zoos and stuff that are like, you know, saving species and doing good things. So like, it's not all bad. Right. I do think that that movie and like some media backlash 
cause them to do a bit more good yeah. into the world and like donate some and things like that. So it is what it is. It will I'm sure be interesting and exciting and all of that. And then for me, I live in the desert. So a nice weather break is always appreciated. I'll take the sea or the ocean breeze yeah. on my face. Anytime I can get that. Don't want it to be 113. It's only been like 103 this week, so Oof, it's actually been cold. Throw a jacket on. I know. We've had a lot of <laughs> rainstorms, though, so it's up the humidity. Not quite to Virginia levels, but definitely to uncomfortable for here levels. Like, mm. I don't know, 40, 50 percent could get crazy. Wow. Yeah, they uh, actually did a study on the news here talking about how we like are getting a ton, like more frequent rain and more rain per storm than like... Huh. I don't know. It's like it's going up because of climate change and like the ocean evaporates more. So that's probably happening everywhere. Like that's probably why you get more rain, too. Yeah. Yeah. We usually get rain throughout August. It's called monsoon season. And when I first moved to Arizona in 2000, the first time I remember laughing, they would like go on about crazy monsoon season because there's not really drainage or anything here. And so things can flood a little bit. But really, it just rains hard for 10 minutes and then is dry two hours later. But that is extended recently. Now it might be a little more like legit and we're not really prepared for it. So mm. all I know is I don't want to live on a coast anywhere because to me, it seems like rising sea levels is a bad thing for a lot of places. Well, what I want to do is like either you go to those coastal towns and you buy land like a mile or two inland mm -hmm. that will soon be waterfront or uh, you go yeah. to like Canada and buy stuff like on their lakes and stuff. It's a little cold for like swimming in it now, but in a few years when it's hot everywhere, people will be like, wow, mm. where is it colder? Canada. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's possible. Yeah. Blame Canada. I blame them. That kind of triggers for me. I remember reading an article a few years ago due to climate change that like France had been like one of the most ideal climates to grow, you know, these fancy grapes and they've been experiencing warming over recent seasons and actually it looks like ireland could be like the next big boom in uh in winemaking and vineyards we're gonna buy irish wine irish wine can you imagine that like in 10 years 20 years irish wine is like i'm sure that exists some right like they have to have some wine but hard to say i've never seen an irish wine like it's probably a thing they have there for like a couple people but like they don't export it i have an irish friend i could ask him yeah he lives in toronto though ironically mm. i was like do you have any family property for vineyards mm. i guess also yeah chris manson when you listen to this let us know if there's some irish wine we don't know yeah should we try it is it shite <laughs> there's a reason why we all drink the whiskey yeah mm, well well in our last few seconds do you want to tell me uh about your korean fried chicken experience okay i enjoy cooking and i enjoy planning elaborate detailed cooking well it doesn't always mean fancy i just like want to know how to do things like really well which is why i like was obsessed with burger making for a while and got all the things to do smash burgers right and i found a recipe for the original mcdonald's french fries which require like a day long process but hmm. that could be another podcast so my latest endeavor was i love korean fried chicken and being from kentucky it is sacrilege i guess because we're supposed to have the good stuff and southern is good 
grew up on Southern fried chicken. But as soon as you have Korean, you're like, nope, they perfected it. This is great. It's well cooked. Mm -hmm. There's like this little like air juicy space in between. You have this crispy crust that's like not too much. And uh, it's a twice frying process. So I finally like dove into trying to do that this weekend. Mm -hmm. I think successfully. I mean, there's obviously better places. Banchan just crushes it for me. I don't care Mm -hmm. if they're a chain. They're amazing. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Did it at home. Did it not spicy because, you know, the spicy would completely turn away my family. But uh, yeah, twice fried. Sarah's not into spicy either? No, she kind of likes it, but she's like, I'll have one or two pieces and then I want the soy from there on. Mm. Yeah. And wanted the kids to have it too. So I did like boneless for Sarah and the kids. I did some drumsticks for myself. And uh, yeah, I would recommend. I believe it was like twice fried at 360 degrees. Good mix between like uh, flour, cornstarch, a little baking soda and an egg in your coating. And uh, I think the drumsticks were better than than the uh, chicken finger things, chicken tenders. So it takes like an hour, though, right? Oh, yeah. For the whole process. Yeah, it takes a while, especially like you have one pot, right? So you're doing your batch. You got to sit it, let it like sit it over on a rack, let it kind of cool off and and sit for a bit. And then you got to bring your temperature back up and all that stuff. So if you're doing it at home, it's a lengthy process. You know, obviously restaurants have all that. I know even at Banchan, like you go there and you're like, I want this. And they're like, well, you know, it's going to take at least 30 minutes, right? And you're like, that's fine. Yeah, just do it. I want it. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me some uh, pickled radishes. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had Bonchon in forever since like, I think the last time I had it, Caitlin still ate meat. Oh, so like we could go there and wow, there's like nothing she can eat there now. So yeah, I'll just have to like pick it up for myself one day. You really should. We got one here in Tempe. I'm like, mm. oh shit, they have one. <laughs> yes. Also still good. You know, we have In-N-Out and Bonchon. Food wise, I'm pretty happy in life, but <laughs> You know, temperature wise. And so healthy. No, <laughs> not at all. Well, you, you balance it out with only potato diets or uh, yeah, things like that. <laughs> some weird stuff. Hey, we should put a pin in that for a future episode. Some whatnot around my weird eating habits from time to time. Yeah, we can get into it more of that in that episode. But uh, I've tried to do the chicken diet twice now. The first time our power went out for three days. So I said, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to like go get fast food, whatever. The, the next time was like a couple of weeks ago, I got COVID and I was like, nope, I got COVID. I'm not going to be eating healthy. I'm going to eat whatever I want. Right. So sometime soon, I will hopefully lose some weight. <laughs> well, you tell me when you know, when you want to do it, we'll do a partner's fat loss boost, whatever it is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I could do it like in the next week or two. I don't know when exactly, but sometime soon because I'm getting way too large. not everybody sees the video so they don't know you don't have to tell them that (laughs) yeah anyway that's enough for now thanks everyone for listening sorry we didn't have a lot of super technical stuff and just kind of ranted but hopefully people enjoyed it still if you liked it please subscribe share this with some other folks like to get some more listeners in here and we'll catch you next time boom 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 Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. 
You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.